Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports, and this morning I have the pleasure of having former MLB player Caleb Frere with me. How are you doing this morning, Caleb? I'm good, Mitch. How are you? I'm doing really good. So I just want to start this out for our audience. You know, a lot of Montana kids don't have the chance to make it to the MLB. Tell me your story a little bit. So I was drafted by the Yankees in 2012 in the 11th round out of high school. I went to high school at Custer County District High School in Miles City. And my career started when I was about six years old. I've always had a passion for baseball, and um, it's always been my favorite sport. And ironically, I was kicked out of my town's league program when I was 12 years old. So I was forced into playing club ball. And that playing club ball, you know, we had to travel to play. We went down to Wyoming. South Dakota, um, North Dakota, Colorado, out into Washington, Idaho, Oregon. And I started getting more exposure there as being a left-handed pitcher that threw decently hard for his age. And um, I feel like one of my biggest strengths as a pitcher has always been I've, I've always been a competitor, regardless of who's in the box who I'm facing. And I feel like I got noticed that way. So I started getting invites to national showcases, um, area code, got to go play in Jupiter. Um, and I started getting on draft radars at that point, I feel like. And so I get drafted in 2012. And that fall, I blow up my elbow and spend two years rehabbing. And then... I spent five years healthy with the, with the Yankees in their minor league system, made it up to AAA with them, got traded to the White Sox, and spent a month in AAA with them, and then got uh, called up and made my debut in uh, September 2nd of 2018. Awesome. That is a great career, I think. Um, so it's interesting. You kind of led into a, a couple of my questions, actually, is – and you answered one of them completely. How did you get seen being from Miles City? Because <laughs> that's pretty rare. And, um, you know, you answered that with all your showcases that you went to, which that is awesome. Um, I don't know if you know, but my brother CJ ended up going to one in Pirate City. Oh, nice. Yeah. I CJ. Yeah. So he, uh, he went to one down there, and that was really cool. And there were a lot of good players down there. So, <laughs> um, so... Who was your role model growing up as a player in Miles City? Um, I had a couple. I've always loved Billy Wagner. Um, I'm not a very tall guy. I'm I'm actually very short for a pitcher, and but I was taller than Billy. Um, <laughs> I'm about six foot, and uh, it's always funny. My wife, she'll always take a picture every now and then, like uh, at the when we're doing the national anthem and all of our pitchers are lined up, I look like the bat boy next to some of them. So, <laughs> oh, that's too funny. You know, yeah, it is. And so it's, it's always, I feel like I need a step stool to, to look at everybody else in the eye, especially in the bullpen. Um, but yeah, Billy Wagner was one cause he was a short lefty and he, the way he competed, um, as a hitter, I always loved Josh Hamilton. Um, the way his career ended, I felt, was very unfortunate um, with his relapse and all of that. Um, 
I really looked up to him. I loved the way that he used his faith to get his life back on track. And it was really sad for me to see him where he is now. And um, hope I, I haven't really looked him up, but I hope he's gone back to his faith and got his life back on track. Um, but as a player, he's an incredible player and, um, I just loved his story. And then the other one was Norm Charlton. It's way back when, but, um, for the Seattle Mariners, he's 37 and I just loved him for whatever reason. Yeah. He competed, fiery guy, um, didn't take any crap on the mound. And so because of him, I always tried to get number 37. That's awesome. So, yeah. So those three guys are are the ones that I really looked up to as a player. That's awesome. So you said that you didn't make the majors with the Yankees, but um, did you ever get a pitch, you know, in spring training for the Yankees or anything like that? Yeah, I did. My last three years with them, I was in major league camp all three years. Um, the two. All three years, I was in a backup role, so I was in minor league camp, and I would go over every day or every other day. And if the guy in the fourth inning blew up and hit his pitch count and couldn't get through an inning in 30 pitches, they would bring in us minor league guys to clean up the inning, or they would bring in a major leaguer to finish the fourth, and then one of us would get the ninth. And so that happened a couple of times to me. I would get the ninth. Um, one of the days I was scheduled to pitch and it was a really cool experience. I remember my first game, I got Chase Utley to ground out and it was a routine ground ball to second and it sounded like a rocket going off. (laughs) It it was just crazy to see the speed of the game at that time. And I just remember the sound and it was so loud and (laughs) I went and watched the video on it, and it was like a routine ground ball. <laughs> That's and, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so I got my feet wet pretty quickly. And, it I mean, it was fun being in big league camp with the Yankees. That's awesome. So, you know, I have a few backup questions, so I'm kind of just like, you know, not really knowing what to ask next. But you see in games when you're watching them on TV – the bullpen's kind of a crazy place with characters and doing things in downtime. Do you have any crazy bullpen stories from when you were in the minors or even up in the majors with Chicago? Yeah, so I was in high A in Clearwater, where you're playing in Clearwater, and their bullpen is out in left field. And it's a thirsty Thursday in the minor leagues. They get all their beers. People get a little crazy if they have too much to drink and a guy decides to jump into the bullpen (laughs) and so the game's going on nobody knows what's going on out there so our us and the phillies bullpen catchers you know they both get on their gear and start running at the guy (laughs) to get him out of the bullpen so we're trying to get him out of the bullpen for like a full inning before anybody realizes what's going on he can't figure out the gate to get onto the field and um, it's a pretty good jump down into the bullpen in the Phillies bullpen. So he's just stuck down there. And the where, where he's stuck is the phones. So we can't call down for help. And he's just running around, and our catchers are just trying to block him into a corner, and they can't get him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So finally, we get a hold of the Phillies left fielder and tell him, hey, we got a guy in our bullpen. <laughs> and they finally get security out there and get him out of there. But it took like a full inning 
And it, <laughs> it was kind of funny. I mean, like, people don't really pay attention to the bullpen for a full inning. You know, this is like the fourth inning. We got some guy in our bullpen that we don't know that's absolutely plastered. <laughs> and, yeah, it, that would, I mean, so, I mean, crazy stuff does happen in the bullpen. For sure. Oh, oh man, that's that's a funny story, and they do. I mean, we have the Billings Mustangs and Billings, mm-hmm. and people just get plastered. <laughs> they don't quite go to the whole going to the bullpen thing, but yeah, wow. <laughs> so yeah. another question I have is: you see, when you're looking at past players, you know they have their jerseys up on their wall and things like that. Was there anything from minor leagues or even Chicago or the Yankees that you got to keep throughout the year? Yeah, I have my debut jersey. I have my debut hat. Um, I have a jersey from almost every year. Um, I have my first pitch I threw in the major leagues. I have my first outs, my first strikeouts. I have all of that. Who was that Uh, first strikeout? (laughs) It was Blake Whitehart. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My first out was uh, Brock Holt. And the the guy to complete my first inning was a strikeout to Jackie Bradley Jr. Oh, couple of really good players there. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was my debut. Awesome. So you were known definitely as a strikeout pitcher throughout growing up and everything. What was your most memorable strikeout? Um. Probably Justin Upton. Um, scouting report on him is he loves fastballs. He's like a 380 career fastball hitter. And we're playing the Angels, and I throw three of them to him, and he swings and misses at two of them. Wow. And the first one he took, yeah. I mean, my fastball was really good that day. So, I mean, it was really cool to beat one of the best fastball hitters in the game on a fastball three times. So, I mean, that was really cool for me, you know, not saying that I'm just better than him, but in that, in that moment, in that AP, I was, and it was really, I mean, it's really cool. Now, who knows, next time he faces me, he's, he might take me deep. I mean, it's baseball stuff's going to happen, but I mean, it's, he's 0 for 1 against me with a strikeout on three fastballs. So, I mean, that's pretty special to me. Oh, that is, especially with what his career has turned out to be with the Dodgers. I mean, he's a stud. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so I um, <clears throat> do you guys, you know, minor or major leaguers have contracts with bats and gloves and stuff like that. Do minor leaguers have that too? Yes. Um, usually there's no money involved unless you're um, like a first-round guy. Um, I had a Marucci deal. Let's see, for three years. And then I got to the big leagues, and I I still had that deal. And they didn't want to give me any money to wear their gloves in the big leagues. So Rawlings was going to give me some money to wear their gloves in the big leagues the year I broke with the team. And, um, I mean, it's, it's not a lot of money, but you do get the gear. You get gloves. You get cleats. You get all that stuff. Um, in terms of cleat deal... I didn't get anything like that. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of hitters get bats, and that bats aren't an issue. Um, gloves are pretty common. Batting gloves are pretty common. 
but leagues are pretty tough to come by. Huh. Interesting. It's just another yeah. aspect of baseball that people don't really think about. But I go through a lot, a lot of leads, more than people realize. I would go through about three to five pairs a year. Wow. And it's not like, oh, these are these are dirty. Like it's time to get a new pair. Like I would wear out. Like I would rip the toe off. I would, you know, break a spike off or break two off. And it's and that I mean I was kind of hard on feet as a pitcher. Um, I have a pretty long stride, so I drag my back foot quite a bit. But most pitchers they go through two to three pairs of cleats just for their game pair, and then you've got your practice pair, and all of that. You know, hitters they you know they do all the slides and stuff. And the mesh on cleats tears all the time, so you're things and toes hanging out and stuff <laughs> that's so, not good <laughs> yeah guys get cleats all the time so i think that's why yeah so i think that's why cleats are harder to come by because you know they they get abused and they get beaten up definitely so you talked about how you had justin top or turner's number just for that one at bat were there any no. players of definitely oh i'm sorry justin upton my bad yeah <laughs> um Justin Upton, but anyway, did you have any players that just had your number that hit you every single time that, or, you know, close to every time that you faced them? No. No. Um, a lot of the guys that got to me were the ones I let off the hook, um, either command or I spun a pitch. Nobody, nobody ever really hit me well. Wow. Um, yeah, um, a lot of the times when I got beat, I love myself, myself. So whether it's man spinning a pitch, throwing the wrong pitch, but there was never a guy that came into the box and it's like, God, I don't want to face him right now. <laughs> There's there was never a guy like that. And honestly, the pitchers that think like that, they don't last. Um, guys may talk about it, but in the reality of it. If you're afraid of a hitter, hard to one. It's just like if you're a hitter, if you're afraid of the pitcher, the pitcher's already won. Yeah. And the biggest thing about this game that I've learned is controlling your own mind. If you can control your mind, you can control the game. That's definitely, I mean, baseball is definitely a thinking game. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's not just about thinking either. It's about controlling your emotions, controlling how you handle your own failure, how you handle your own success. And that just comes with experience. Like there's been times in my career where I haven't handled success well, I haven't handled failure well, but I just have to learn from it. And I mean, that's the biggest thing I try to help younger players with, whether it's they're in high school here in Mount City or younger guys that I'm open with, like, hey, you don't worry about that failure. Don't worry about that success. Like, there's going to be another one, and there's going to be another opportunity for you to rise above that that moment. Definitely. So, being in the minors, um, there's a grind with that. I mean, just from the standpoint, I know in rookie ball, people or the players are staying in people's homes. You know, when does that end? One yes. and two. Just tell me about life as a minor leaguer for MLB players. Um, in minor leagues, you get really sick of Robin. Um, 
minor leaguers, especially in rookie ball, are extremely underpaid. I remember my first paycheck with the Yankees in rookie ball was $300 for two weeks of work. Wow. Yeah. That yep. is nothing. So that's, that's nothing. Yeah, we get a signing bonus and stuff like that, but it's nothing. Um, now, like, you make it to the big leagues, and it's a completely different story. Or you make it to the big leagues and sign a minor league deal, it's a completely different story. But the draft contracts are terrible for the players. You have no control. You make no money. If you screw up or voice your opinion, um, major league teams can put you on a restricted list. But the players have no control anyways because if you're like, we're going to go on strike as a minor leaguer, there's 85 guys that would love to take your spot. Right. So minor leaguers, it's, they've got no power. So the only the only option you have is to bear down and grind through it. And it is a grind. There's long bus rides. Um, I mean, eight-hour, nine-hour bus rides, 12-hour bus rides. I mean, they're not fun. You get done playing a game, you know, the game ends at 11 o'clock at night. You get on the bus at midnight. You roll into the new city where you're going to play, and you got a day game the next day. And that sucks. Game starts at 1. You basically go from the bus to the field. So you got to try and get your eight, nine hours of sleep on the bus. Yeah, and I'm sure that's not easy. (laughs) No. Um, I mean, so, I mean, it's a grind, and you've got to – You've got to manage a lot of things. Um, If you get promoted, you know, you have an apartment from the town you were just at that your name's on the lease. You know, your name's on the Wi-Fi, your name's on the electric company, all of that stuff. If you were on the road and you get promoted, your car is left at the old city. So you're going to a new city. You don't have a car. You don't know where you're going to live. you got four pairs of underwear and three shirts in your bag. And you're like, all right, well, let's figure it out. And you're like, can someone give me a ride to Walmart so I can go buy an air mattress to sleep in? Yeah. And, and but it's all, it's honestly all worth it. It's a grind. And it keeps getting better the higher you get up. Um, double A is great. Triple A is fantastic. High A, you start getting a little taste of what baseball's supposed to feel like. Low A is an absolute grind. Rookie ball is an absolute grind. But you're so excited that you're there and you're in the game that you don't really notice it until you look back on it. And then you get up to that next level and you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of suck down there. (laughs) Just the lifestyle of it. And as you move up, you get a small pay raise. Um, In my draft contract, it was... $300 $300 a week after tax with the Yankees and rookie ball. And then I think it was AAA. You make 1800 a month pre-tax. Wow. So, Even that's yeah, not a lot. Not a lot. No, it's not a lot. And as you move up, these teams are in bigger cities. So the cost of living goes up. So your net income, is, it stays about the same. Right. If There's a saying in minor league baseball. If you break even on the year – you were really good with your money. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah. 
So your monthly salary is not anything to write home about in minor league baseball. Um, but if you're one of the select few that get an opportunity to play in the big leagues, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. And then when you look at the contracts, like what Scherzer was just given and other players, you're like, why can't the minor league get just a little bit of that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I remember when I got called up, dues in the major leagues, well, the dues are gone now, but my first year when I got called up, dues were still a thing in major league baseball. And we got, we always get paid on the 15th and the last day of the month. So it's like September 13th. We're in Baltimore and we're, the series is about to end. And I'm looking at my bank account, you know, I've paid dues at home. I paid major league dues for a full two weeks and I haven't gotten paid yet. So I'm looking at my bank account. I'm like, how am I going to pay this clubby dues? <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm freaking out. I'm like, all right, I can put the dues on the credit card. And then I think this was on Friday. And then on Saturday, I opened up my bank account again and I got paid for the first time. I'm like, oh, I can, I can pay dues now. <laughs> and it was just incredible that that relief of getting the first major league paycheck is like, oh, yeah, I can, I can pay dues now. But I, it's crazy how just one day can make a difference. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so one thing I started doing is when a guy would get promoted and they haven't gotten a paycheck yet, I've done this in indie ball, I've done this in the minor leagues, is I would take care of their first set of dues until their first paycheck. And because I remember that feeling and I would just tell them up front, like, hey, I've got your first dues covered. Well, that's super, super generous. Thanks. But I just, I remember like that feeling and I've also had guys do that for me. I have up with a lot of big guys, Hall of Famers that, you know, they they taught you how to take care of the younger guys that haven't been in your shoes yet. So it's, it, it's really fun being a part of this community of baseball. Definitely. So you kind of talked about the grind in minor leagues and, you know, the different levels. When did you know, oh, my God, I'm going to be, you know, right on the doorstep of MLB, of course, AAA. But, like, when did you think that you were going to be making it? Um, the day they told me I was, I was going up, um, <laughs> I was suspended at the time in AAA. When they told me I was going up, I, uh, I hit a – Austin Meadows was – four for four against us with three home runs and a double. Oh, God. And in the minor leagues, like, yeah, I mean, he was playing for Durham. He had just gotten traded to the Rays, and he was in AAA with me. He hadn't been in the big leagues yet. And, um, you know, in the minor leagues, you have your roles, but if you don't pitch in three days, you're going to throw because they want everybody to get their work. Yeah. And – I was kind of our eighth inning guy, and we were losing, and I hadn't pitched in like two days. So they threw me out there. We're at home. On a 2-1 count, I drill him in the hand, and I get tossed immediately. And the next day, the bench is clear and all that, and I was really yelling at the umpire. And um, the next day, I go into the the clubhouse, and my manager pulls me into the office, and he says, "Uh, you've been suspended by the league. Ooh. And this is like 
three days before the AAA season ends, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going up. I just got suspended. I don't know for how long. I'm not going up. So, I mean, that just kind of crushed you right there that I was going up. And, and I guess backing up a little bit, the one year, my worst year of my career, I was always looking ahead and never worrying about where I was at that time. And so since then, I stopped looking ahead. Like, I'm just going to live that day. Like, I, I stopped worrying about what the lefties were doing in front of me, what the bullpen guys were doing in front of me. Those in AAA when I was in AA, those in AA when I was in high A. And so really, once I stopped worrying about that, I also lost sight of, or I guess I didn't lose sight. I lost the expectation of getting there. And so when I got there, it was just incredible. Awesome. So you played for one side of a pretty big rivalry, the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry. What was that like up close, even in the minors? In the minors, it wasn't as big of a deal. Um, honestly, we had, in the minors, we had more of a rivalry with the Indians and the Pirates and the Phillies. Huh. Because we played them all the time. Guys on the Pirates, guys on the Phillies, I play them in rookie ball, I play them in low A, I play them in high A, double A, triple A, all the way up, and then you get to the big leagues and you don't play them anymore. So right. these guys that did something to your second baseman by sliding too hard and taking him out two years ago, you remember <laughs> when you were when when you did that in low A, you remember that when you're in double A. Right. And you know, the Blue Jays are are one of those teams where you play them all the way up. And the Red Sox rivalry is intense, and their those games in the minor leagues were always felt a little different. But nothing really ever happened when I was there. Hmm. It's just so you know. I mean, when you see it on ESPN, when you see it in the MLB, it is just so intense. Every game, it could be a mean nothing game in June, and they're yeah. you know five seconds away from fighting each other. And I just didn't know if that correlated yeah. down into the minors at all. No. The one rivalry I can't speak on and the one I didn't get to pitch in was uh, uh, Cubs-White Sox. Oh. That was intense. That's I true. That in September. Yeah. And we were out of it in 18. We weren't even close to playoffs. I think we ended with like 69 wins. It was not a statistically good winning year. And the Cubs were in it. They were a playoff team. It was intense. I think they won this World there Series was... that year, didn't they? No, that was the Red Sox. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was It was intense. There was fights in the stands, like every inning. People getting escorted out. I mean, it was intense. Wow. So, yeah. It, so, I mean, I did get to see that firsthand, and it's... It means a lot to a lot of people, these rivalries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Mariners. We don't really have a, you know, per se rival. Kind of the Angels, especially Mike Trout, but. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say the Padres because, like, it's, I don't know, that you guys share a spring training complex. Yeah, kind of. We just don't play each I other mean, that I, often. 
No, and I, I agree, and that's tough. I mean, Seattle's don't have that rival. Yeah, I we wish they'd bring a team to Portland. That'd be cool. That'd yeah. be really cool. It's just a matter if Portland could support it. Right. Yeah. So, I know there are some very wacky names in minor league baseball, and I had an interview with a guy who wrote a book about them, um, John Russ. Were there any that really stuck out to you as just off-the-wall crazy? Um, the Akron Rubber Ducks. I would agree. Double A for the Indians. <laughs> that is – and they do a really great job of marketing there. You know, Akron's like the rubber, rubber capital of the world. And it's just a funny name. Um, let's see. There's one more. I'm drawing a blank on it. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> there are, though. I mean, there's that one, and then the one that I love is the Rocket City Trash Pandas, and I know that they're fairly new. Oh, yes. But yes. <laughs> that one's my personal favorite. Um, So I want to talk a little bit. You know, I don't know if you were a starter at any point in your career, probably in high school and middle school growing up at least. Is there a different mindset between being a starter and a bullpen guy? Absolutely. Um, when I got drafted, I was a starter. And it's a completely different mindset. Um, starter's job is to give you competitive depth into the game, to hand it over to your bullpen guys. And um, competitive depth, meaning if your offense gives you six runs, make sure you you only put up five or less and go six or seven. You know, if your offense is only giving you two that day, you got to be on your game right. or you're going to be out in the fifth. And so every, every pitch you throw as a starter, you're also thinking about third or the fourth or the seventh inning when you're in the first. As a bullpen guy, you're thinking about this pitch right here. And there's a time and place in the bullpen when you have to come out of the bullpen and this is going to be the nastiest pitch you ever throw in your life. And sometimes that's on back-to-back -back pitches. And sometimes you have to throw it three times in a row. Right. And that's why bullpen guys can only last for 15, 20 pitches at, at times because they're, it's not just max effort. There's max intent. There's, there's, it's just something different about it. You, you can throw a 25 pitch inning as a bullpen guy and you're perfectly fine for the next three days. Yeah. You throw a 25 pitch inning as a starter, it's going to cut your outing short. Oh yeah, definitely. So mentality wise, like, you know, looking at just the, the grand scheme of things, if you get a 2-2 strikeout as a starting pitcher, it's not a good result unless it's, you know, that time and place in the game where you got bases juiced or second and third with one out. And you need you know, it. That's, that's a, you need it. But if it's the third inning and you've got no outs and you get a 2-2 strikeout, it's not a good strikeout. You need to get that guy out on three pitches or less. As a bullpen guy, a strikeout's a strikeout. Definitely. There's the smart walks. You know, there's times you see guys out of the bullpen where their walk numbers are higher. That's because they're in situations where 
you have to eliminate contact. You can give up a free base, but you cannot allow contact. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure he's swinging and missing or he's walking. Definitely. So with that question, were there any players that you just were like, I'm just going to walk him because he's a high contact guy? Um, usually no. Um, there are situations where you don't just say, I'm going to walk him. I'm going to throw my pitch. Mm-hmm. And if I walk him here, I do end up walking him here or he's going to get himself out on my pitch. You know, throwing a 3-0 slider that's just below the zone. That's my pitch. He's either going to roll over to the third baseman, swing and miss, or hit a foul. Or he's going to take it and walk. Yeah. So that was, that, those are the situations where it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to throw my pitch here. He's going to either do what he can with it or he's going to walk. Definitely. So you'd mentioned in the beginning, and I kind of just completely went off on it. But um, anyway, you had an injury to your elbow. How hard is it to recover from injuries, especially as a pitcher, in your pitching arm? It's it's difficult. I had Tommy John in 2012. Um, uh, When I got drafted, I had to – the Yankees didn't like my routine. I was – we were a little ahead of our time out here in Miles City with the long toss, the weight of balls, the throwing with intents, kind of like what driveline does. I got a lot of my stuff from Alan Jagger. And the Yankees, rightfully so, are, at the time, were very old school. You know, there's a certain way you do things. And so I'm an 18-year-old kid, so I, I go away from my routine. And I ended up blowing out my elbow on Halloween, pitching in the Dominican. Some will say it's overused. Some will say it's you threw too hard, too young. I, I think all of that is false. I believe that you make your own bullets. You don't save bullets. You make your own. If you want to throw hard, you have to throw hard. If you want to throw long, you have to throw long. And when I say throw long, I'm not talking necessarily length on the field. I'm talking depth in the game. And so, long story short, I took, I gave up my routine. So, I was not prepared I feel like to compete and that led to an injury and coming back from an injury, especially one that requires surgery is very tough. Not just the the repair and rehabilitation, but the trust in your body to be able to let it go because you've already felt that pain of something's broken, something needs fixed, right? Whether it's a tear, a full blown blowout, doesn't matter if it's muscle ligament, there's that trust factor that you have to build back with that broken part of you Yeah. to be able, if you tear your quad, to be able to run full speed again, to, if you pull your hamstring, to be able to stride out again, to be able to let your fastball go. And that's the biggest, I think, hurdle that some people in sports don't come back from. You know, you see NFL running backs blow out their knee. And they come back and they're never as good. Right. And some of it is because the rehab process didn't go well for them. And some of it is because they don't trust it. They don't Mm -hmm. trust their knee to make that cut. So when they're juking right, that's the knee that they blew out. 
that plant leg, that's they don't trust it. So their juke right is not as good, but their juke left is fine. Right. So that trust is very big to deal. And you build that trust by doing it, whatever it is, repeatedly, throwing hard, running hard, doing your jukes. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to go through and I've gone through my fair share of injuries. I've had shoulder, I've had quad, I've had, groin i've had elbow i've had flexor strains wow <laughs> but it's it's part of the game yeah, yeah you definitely have had your fair share <laughs> i mean i've been hit by two cars during the season so i mean oh geez <laughs> yeah so when i was rehabbing my elbow from tj i rehabbed all of 2013 and um in 2014 my elbow's healthy but i haven't pitched in a game yet and i show up to spring training i'm reaching over the bed of my pickup to get my bag out of my pickup and a player's wife backs into me in the Yankees parking lot. Oh no. And smack, yeah. Smashes me against my pickup in her car and nothing really happened. I mean, my back got a little screwed up from it, but I'm, she hit me. My, the bed of my pickup was on my chest and her lift gate was on my back. If I was sideways, my hips and my shoulders would have like been crushed. Right. Like I would, I'd look like a squished waffle or something. And um, but because of that, like I had to take another year off. We did an abbreviated throwing program, and the arm wasn't ready to do an abbreviated throwing program. I had to take time off with the back, and so I missed two years with my elbow. But one of it was because I got hit by a car. <laughs> that is very unfortunate. Yeah, it is. But it was really good because most doctors that perform Tommy John surgery recommend two years of no competition. Really? So, yeah, just to allow it to fully heal for you to fully trust yourself. But as an athlete, you can't take that two years. I was forced into taking that two years. Yeah. And um, so I... I mean, it was very fortunate that I got hit by a car. I guess that is because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. a lot of pitchers especially are back in one year from Tommy John. Mm-hmm. They are. And if everything goes smoothly, you can be back in a game in eight months. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I want to pivot a little bit because now you're doing stuff in Miles City with the Outlaws. And um, you're, the Outlaws are having Kaba, the Kaba World Series there. What is that meant to bring that to the town of Mile City? It's, it's awesome. Um, it, it's a huge tournament. We have teams that come in from New York, I mean, the Northeast, Midwest, Northwest. I mean, all over the country come to Mile City. You know, we have a town of 8,000 people, and the businesses love it here. All of the hotels are sold out. We've had some businesses tell us that it's even better than Bucking Horse Cell. Wow. For them. Yeah. And Bucking some Horse is huge. It's not the case. And Bucking Horse is huge. And so for us to be able to bring that to the town and give kids an opportunity, everybody has fun. It's a 14U tournament. We have all three fields going. It's, it's a blast. We have day passes for the our little uh, pond swimming pool. You know, 
kids just get to come to Montana and just be kids and have fun, play baseball, play under the lights, under the fireworks. It's it's incredible. Like we've had the New York teams come and they're like, this is how you live out here. This is weird. <laughs> you know, I've gotten to play on the East Coast and it's completely different out there. You know, you cannot breathe out there. Yeah. You try to stretch your arms out, you're going to punch someone in the face on accident. <laughs> it's it's a completely different life, and it's really cool for those kids to be able to see that. Because a lot of kids get to go out to the East Coast, but not a lot of kids get to come here. No. And see what life is like here and in rural America. Right, and when they do come to the West Coast or Western U.S., they go to Seattle, L.A., all the populated areas. Yeah, some, and that's kind of just the same thing they've been at with a different view. Right. Definitely. Sure. So I think I had read somewhere that you guys are getting a new field in Miles City. Yeah, so um, we have – there was this old field that is really historic to Miles City. It's called Stanley Field. And the backstop has been up since it was built. I actually don't even know what year it was built, but it wasn't active. And so for the past two years, the outlaws have talked to the city about redoing it. And this year, it's going to be, it's fully redone. Uh, our firefighters and police officers had a game here. I guess this fall is a, it was a softball game. And it's, it's a full-size field. It's a little junior sized so it's not like you know like 350 down the lines and 400 to center it's probably like 285 to 300 down the lines and about 350 to dead center Perfect. so i mean it's a little small for high school play mm -hmm. but um the way we did the build is it's really met it's a great like babe ruth 14 u field yeah so for kaba it's great we put in dugouts um and where it's at in Miles City, it's right next to the art museum. There's a little park there. It's just a beautiful little tucked away spot in Miles City. So, and no one ever really went there. It was just an abandoned park. And now it's redone. It's a full-blown baseball field. Yeah, that's really nice. And it'll be great for the town. And like you said, for the Kaaba yes. events, it just gives you another place. Yep. We can, help. We can have three go games going at one time at Kaaba. You know, we have the softball fields that we can use for the teams want to practice or go take BP. They have access to all the cages, everything. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really great because it allows it to grow and support more teams that come in. So that's great. So I just have one more completely off the wall question. But I've seen that I think it was FEMA wants the MLB to change the bullpen name to Arm Barn. What is your thought on that? That's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> I have the same okay. opinion. You know, the activity of throwing a bullpen, of working on your craft, is called a bullpen or a side session. Those are the two names for it. You don't say, hey, I'm a, you don't grab the catcher to go throw an arm barn. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> Doesn't make oh shoot! But hey, I, Caleb, we lost connection there. 
Yeah, we're here. Okay. Um, I feel like there's bigger things they can worry about than the name of which people stand and wait to pitch in. I completely and agree. I don't know why, you know, I, I, I don't think of it. You know, I mean, but they also don't understand cow culture, I, I feel like. They see an animal that is killed for their for them, their food, their hide. And, I mean, cows are respected. Yeah. Especially those that work with them. Oh, yeah. You know, there are those cases that you see on YouTube where, you know, calves are getting abused. And I think it was the one milk company that was doing that. And that's what they need to worry about. I mean, that's not right. But, like, cow culture, they're, you're not cruel to the animal. I mean, I, I mean, I don't feel like you are. But no. I mean, I feel like there's bigger things to worry about. I mean, we have a bunch of stray cats and stray dogs. Or cats, I guess they're not strays. They just run away. Right. In Miles City. Like, why are we not worried about that? Yeah, we have the same problem in Billings with cats especially. Yeah, I mean, people are posting on Facebook all the time. Have you seen my cat? Mm-hmm. Well, on my video doorbell, I mean, it's probably on my front door, my front porch. Right. Every night, I get about four of them running across my front yard and my front porch, and it's like, that's where your cat is. Yeah. And we tell them. <laughs> but it's, you know, I feel like there's bigger things they can worry about than an area on a baseball field where people wait. Definitely. I I agree. Well, hey, Caleb, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you and talking about, you know, Miles City and your experience in the minors and Major League Baseball. It's just been great to talk to you and great to see you again. Thanks, Mitch. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on and look forward to doing this again. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.